Welcome to a special election edition of Core of the Matter, the public affairs forum of 90.3 The Core, where we find out about issues that are important to Rutgers and central New Jersey. Election day is Tuesday, November 2nd, and some people may have been lulled into a false sense of security, thinking it may not be as important to vote in this election as it was in the last one. We decided to find out if that's true. The Eagleton Institute of Politics at Rutgers is full of people who spend their time thinking, researching, and experimenting to try to figure out politics, government, and how it interacts with you and me. And we'll hear from two of them as we figure out whether it's really important to vote, whether we need to vote in this election, how you can get accurate, unbiased information about our candidates and about the issues that matter most in central New Jersey. You'll hear about things to look out for when you listen to candidates what we're actually voting for in this election, and what the stakes are. Some of what you'll find out may surprise you, but even if you weren't planning on voting before, you probably know deep down inside that as an American citizen, it's important to make your voice heard, and we're going to help you do that. First, we'll hear from Elizabeth Maddow. She's a political scientist and assistant research professor at the Eagleton Institute of Politics. My name is Elizabeth Maddow. I'm a political scientist Um, here at the Eagleton Institute of Politics. I'm an assistant research professor, and I head the Are You Voting effort, um, which is a project designed to engage Rutgers students in the political process. Compared to the rest of the population, do college students vote as much as post-college adults, or do they vote less? How does that compare? Um, No. Traditionally, um, young people have um, lagged behind in voter turnout rates compared to other age cohorts. The good news, and I can say it's good news, I can, I'm can. i a proponent of encouraging voter registration and turnout among young people, is there was a long period of time where voter turnout rates among young people was on a steady decline um, ever since the voting age was lowered in 1972. But thankfully, um, we have had an uptick and a gradual increase in numbers of young people who are registering and voting since about 2004, and there have been a steady increase in both the general elections and midterm elections, even in governor's races, but there have also been a few declines. Um, uh, Unfortunately, in last year's governor's race, the turnout was not great, and there are various reasons that we can discuss, but in general, no, young people um, compared to other age cohorts are not necessarily strong or dependable voters. Now, people usually think of college students as being more activists than the general population, more idealist, more involved in protesting Mm -hmm. and talking about politics. Unfortunately, that's not quite the reality of the situation. I wouldn't say there's, you know, and I'm a political scientist, so when you look at the literature that's been written... um, There's been a good deal of investigation, but it's certainly, there are so many still um, unanswered questions, and it's actually questions that I'm trying to answer with research I'm doing also. This generation um, that's been referred to as the millennial generation is quite different from previous generations, from baby boomers to even the generation that I'm a part of, Generation X. I would say, in general, the I don't want to say that young people have completely disengaged, but the nature of their engagement has changed. And this generation, the millennials, seem to have a strong propensity to engage in community activities, civic activities, um, volunteering in their community, and less likely um, their attachment is not as strong to traditional forms of political engagement. 
And uh, this is research, actually, that I'm, I'm investigating a little bit further, you know, the, the difference between the two um, and why is it that one is more popular than another. Is there any way to those students who, or those young people who are engaged in community activities, do they necessarily recognize the political causes or political solutions behind these community activities? And, you know, might that be a way to encourage them to engage in traditional forms of political engagement? So I think there's still very, very many unanswered questions um, because we're still in the midst of this generation trying to understand their behavior and because um, there's nothing that's terribly dependable yet. Um, Volunteer rates have stayed fairly strong among young people, even in the midst of an economic downturn. But some of the research that needs to be uh, improved upon is determining whether or not these volunteer activities are sort of self-motivated or to what extent does it have to do with, you know, when you're in high school and you're part of a service club that you're required to engage in these service activities. I think the same could be said with college. Um, Now, that doesn't mean these aren't valuable activities, um, but certainly we want to be sure with service learning projects that it's really connecting. Are you connecting the civic engagement, this community activity, to political activity? Um, I don't think we're always guaranteed that students themselves are making that connection on their own, and so you really want a well-designed curriculum that does that for them. So the short answer is, um, yes, I think we do have pictures in our mind of um, young people maybe storming, uh, storming administrative buildings. Um, certainly, we've seen some good examples on campus actually recently of students um, protesting, expressing their political voice, engaging in these forms of political activity. But if you look on the aggregate at young people, those, though there is really not the propensity that there was in the past to engage in that sort of activity. In terms of how well students and post-college adults really understand the political system and how our government works, to a certain extent, anyone who's been born in, say, the last 20 years is incredibly media savvy in terms of understanding that when someone speaks on television or provides a press release, they're not necessarily telling the truth. And that's not there isn't that kind of same media savviness everywhere in the world. And we can kind of see that when, you know, a few years ago when some of our military personnel were kidnapped by, I believe, someone in Lebanon. Mm -hmm. And they had our our personnel go on TV and say, oh, everything is fine. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. they're they're treating us very well. And their captors expected us to believe it. But of course, no one did because they, but probably people in their country believed it. Yeah because they hadn't gotten to that point yet. So we know not to just believe what everyone says, or what anyone says, but does that actually make us understand the government better? Does that make us participate better? Absolutely. I mean, I would say that's been the downside of being so media savvy, and that's something um, uh, you I hear, you know, I'm with students a, a great deal. I hear that a lot from students, um, that... You know, they know that there's all sorts of information out there, but I think because they are so aware of the spin that's involved with so many media outlets, I think it's very difficult. I, you know, I've heard frequently students say it's very difficult to know where to get good, unbiased information, and that that's one of the biggest challenges they face, and that's why they often feel uneducated or unprepared to be a participant, an active participant in the political process. And so I think that's really the downside. We are there, you know, this is the most technologically savvy generation in American history, um, obviously. 
but at the same point at the same time there is a real need or they they feel a real need to to be able to just easily access reliable information. And I think one thing that's really interesting about this generation is there is a real hesitancy to be an active participant if they're not um, well-educated or well-versed in uh, the questions on the ballot or who the candidates are. So it's a real conundrum. There's so much information out there, but you wonder to what extent are at least young people, obviously I'm interested in young people, to what extent they're digesting it, to what extent it's making a difference. Um, you know, I think just based on conversations I've had with students, you know, I, I get the feeling that it's not getting through. The information is not getting through. Um, and they're really challenged. It's challenging to find the sort of information they're looking for. So if, I guess if the challenge is that we're inundated by information and we're trying to find what the best information is, maybe the librarians will save us. <laughs> Let's hope so. Uh, my sister actually just got her degree in library science, so I'll tell her that should be her next research paper. But yeah, I think that's it. You know, I, had a, I was speaking to someone recently who just wanted to find out information, um, I think, about term limits or uh, something to do with the length of a term for some particular office, and found that he was sent on, you know, every website he went to sent him to another website. You know, it took five clicks where ultimately by the end of it he ended up calling his board of elections or ended up calling his town council. So clearly, yeah, we may be bombarded, and I'm sure everyone has found situations like that, where they go to a website and they just find themselves searching and searching, and you go to another one and you're searching and searching, and then you get to the point where you forgot what you were looking for. So you're going to give up, and it makes good sense that you would give up. So it sort of ties in with... Um, you know, the, this is sort of the next phase, I think, that should be undertaken when it comes to research. But there's certainly plenty of research that shows that one of the reasons that explains low voter turnout in the United States in general is the fact that um, voter registration is can be challenging. And it's those states that have same-day registration that inevitably have highest voter turnout rates. So I think it's, it's there. you know, there's a little bit of a comparison there. At The more cumbersome we make it, the less likely it is that someone's going to engage in the political process. So the more cumbersome we make it, the more difficult we make it to gather information, inevitably someone, you're going to give up. Um, and especially, you know, not that young people's schedules are as any, that their schedule is any busier than someone in their 30s or 40s, um, but you hear that a lot among college students. You know, I've got to get to class, I've got to get, um, I have a job I have to get to, I'm commuting, whatever. You know, they lead very busy lives and What's a shame is when they want to be politically involved, when they want to be politically engaged and are willing to put in the effort but find that the effort doesn't pay off. That's when it's frustrating. And, you know, I think that's where some improvements could be made. So where can we get good information? Um, well, what do you want to know? I mean, certainly we've, we've done our best. We're always trying to improve our Are You Voting website. Um, we get a lot of inquiries from students about sort of the basics when is it too late to register to vote? Unfortunately, it's too late. If you're just tuning into the to the election right now, unfortunately, if you're not registered, it's too late. Um, but we try to get that information out as much as possible. Um, finding your polling location is often challenging. So we try to get that information out to people. So our website, at least now, is much more just kind of bare bones. Here's everything you need to know. And I think, um, you know, if, if students really want to get a sense of who a candidate is, what a candidate believes, certainly you go to their websites. Um, and I encourage students, if, you know, if you want to vote Tuesday, but you don't know anything about the candidates running, 
that is one good thing. Everyone has a website. Um, every candidate has a website. However, obviously, they're trying to promote their candidacy. So, you know, I think it's always dangerous to just look at one website. You want to go to a few. You know, I think sometimes if students have some fairly definite ideas in their mind of what ideology there are or their ideological background, do they lean more Democrat, do they lean more Republican, or are there organizations they support traditionally from either the left or the right? Sometimes those are useful avenues for information also. But I think with more and more, young people don't want to just say, well, my family voted Democrat. I tend to vote Democrat. I'll just go vote Democrat. But at least you could go to those websites, and they could at least give you an idea of how closely aligned a candidate is to the platform of the Democratic Party or the platform of the Republican Party. Um, but again, as I'm saying, you know, as I'm going through all this, it takes some effort. It takes some work, and maybe that's a good thing. You know, maybe we want we do. It's great. And again, I hear this more and more that students want to go into the polls feeling they've done their research. Um, at their, and that they're well-informed. Um, the trick is, is there any way we can be delivering this information a little bit more easily? So for those students who don't have the time to do all this research, um, either we won't lose them and that we'll still be able to get them into the political process. Certainly, you know, um, there are certain newspapers and uh, website, you know, uh, news outlets that will have, certainly almost all of them now have um, a section just devoted to politics. Um, now, I know that a lot of people assume that there are certain news outlets with an inherent bias, and that may or might, may not be true. But again, almost all of these websites from either New York Times to CNN to Fox News to all of them will have at least a page of their website dedicated to here are all the races, here are the ones that are up for grabs, here are the close ones. Um, so they are at least always a good starting point, I think, to at least get bare bones who's running in my district and what do they believe. Often we'll hear about media organizations or unions, other kinds of organizations, endorsing a candidate. How, what, what value does that have for a voter trying to figure out who to vote for? It may be a, a useful cue for, for individuals. I think, um, I think the literature that's out there, the, the scholarly work that's out there, has pretty much shown, for the most part, that endorsements don't have a huge effect um, on turnout or the, uh, the, the um, outcome of an election. And I'm not so sure that at least the age cohort I'm looking at, 18 to 25, 18 to 29, I'm not sure they put much stock in who a union endorses, who an organization endorses. I really don't think, you know, considering the fact that large numbers of, of young people don't even really use political party as a cue anymore, um, I think it's unlikely that they would put that much emphasis on, you know, who whoever endorsed Chamber of Commerce or NJEA. Um, I don't think that necessarily makes as much of a difference. Really, the, and it's been, the research has shown it year after year after year forever, um, so much of a young person's political behavior, um, so much of it has to do with socialization. Um, more often than not, and it certainly is not a hard and fast rule, the type of upbringing you've had, um, if you have a family that um, talks about politics around the kitchen table, that um Parents that vote regularly, that follow the news, that took you to vote. You know, I know I love to take my kids love to come with me and push the buttons. Um, if it just if you're just brought up in such a way that it's a part of your life, um, that you're much more likely once you reach adulthood to consider politics or political involvement a part of your life. 
Similarly, ideology tends to have an impact. You know, your parents' ideology tends to have an impact on your worldview, your outlook. Um, again, there are no hard and fast rules on this. Sometimes you see, actually, as a form of rebellion, you may have had a very liberal parent, and then you become a real hardcore conservative. Um, so again, it's I would say what's more detrimental or what's more determinative is just did politics play a role in your family's life? Did political discussion, political interest... Um, play a role in your upbringing, that that's going to have, you know, it, it's going to affect whether or not you even pay attention to politics. Um, and yeah, I would say that's probably the biggest determinant, certainly more than endorsements. So one problem with younger people voting is finding the right information. The other problem is actually getting younger people to vote. I've spoken to a number of people getting ready for this election, and the ones who say they're not going to vote frequently say it's because they don't think it matters or they don't think it will make any difference. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, people always say it's important to vote. So is it actually important to vote in every election? Is it important to, just as important to vote in this midterm election as it is in the presidential election? Why is it actually is it important to vote? Right. Well, certainly, I, you know, I, I think they'd drum me out of the building if I said voting's not important. <laughs> I do believe that voting is important. Now, clearly... Um, there are some races, uh, usually smaller races at the more local level, that you know really can be determined by um, uh, voter turnout. You know, the outcome is determined is based upon voter turnout. What I often, um, when I've had students come to me or students I work with that that sort of offer that same argument, um, I would ask them to consider whether or not. Do they recognize that there's a link between politics and their everyday lives? And more often than not, when you talk about, when you're talking to college students, you know, they're thinking things such as financial aid and especially financial aid cuts that they've um, experienced in the last few years and um, are able to identify that there may be political cause, identify that there are political causes and political solutions. And so what I often ask students is, you know, if, if your age cohort is not voting, um, in numbers that um, 30 to 40-year-olds are voting or 50 to 60-year-olds are voting, to what extent are 50 to 60-year-olds, 30 to 40-year-olds concerned about the same issues that you're concerned about? You know, are their issues necessarily um, the ability to pay off student loans? You know, maybe for some of them help pay their kids' student loans off. But I think when we discuss it, when I discuss it with students, um, we usually come to the conclusion that their issue set um, may be a little bit different um, from older generations. And then the question is, Are if they're not voting, are they going to depend on other generations or other age groups to vote in their best interest? Um, and obviously, again, no hard and fast rules, but I think usually they determine, you know, that there's something to be said for voting for yourself, and there's something to be said for expressing your own opinion. I've had a few students tell me, especially recently, you know, I wish I had voted last year. Now that I see everything that's going on this year with tuition and all of that, um, you know, I wish I had been more engaged, and maybe I will be more engaged in the future. I, I would argue clearly, you know, the numbers would show there are certain races where turnout is more important than in others. But, you know, I think especially in 2008, when you look at some of the caucuses and the primaries, um, you know, there's been some research that's been put out that really demonstrates that increased voter turnout among young people really did make the difference in a few of these smaller primaries and, and the Iowa caucus, for example. So there are plenty of examples that we can point to where enhanced participation mattered. 
Um, now the real question, especially as we're looking now to the midterm elections, are, you know, because we did have some new voters, young voters, in 2008, are they going to come out again um, in the midterm? And I think it's, you know, it's iffy, I would say. In, in general, turnout among young people, uh, turnout among everyone declines in a midterm election, but particularly so among, among young people. Um, and the question we usually ask is, are candidates, are campaigns, are parties, are organizations reaching out to young people as they did in 2008? Um, because really, more often than not, you find that it's um, mobilization efforts that really make a difference with young people in particular. That you know the the common wisdom has been that young people don't vote; they're apathetic, they don't care, um, and that's not necessarily true. And there's been some good research that's shown that if you contact young people, if you go out and talk to them, if you talk about issues in a way that matter to them, you know the, the young people care about the economy like everyone else. Their concerns about the economy may be much more might, may have much more to do with paying off student loans, um, affording college, getting a job after college ever thinking about buying a house. Um, so they care like all the rest of the country about the economy, but their concerns may differ based on where they are in their stage of life. Um, so the question is, to what extent do candidates talk about the economy in ways that matter to young people? Um, and, you know, I think you could argue, you know, maybe that hasn't happened as much this year. Um, and you certainly could argue the mobilization efforts probably haven't been what they normally were, or at least what they were in 2008, when you had a large number of young people turn out. And is there anything else that you'd want to say about young people voting? I feel, I, I think that it is a really challenging time to be a young person. I see a lot of students. I work with a lot of students. I write a lot of letters of recommendation. I know how uncertain young people feel right now about mainly the economy and their futures. And students are working so hard to get a degree, to pay off student loans. Um, it's frustrating when um, you can't, when job security is elusive, when you're not sure if you're going to be able to make any use of the degree, the degree you just got. So what I would encourage young people to, to think about is that that these are issues that are affected by the political process. They're affected by who's serving in office at all levels of government. And I would encourage them to recognize that it matters. It matters who's in office. And it matters that those who are in office hear from all sectors of society. And so I would encourage young people to use their vote as a way to express their opinion because they do have an opinion. Um, and um, political decisions that are made, whether they like it or not, are going to affect their everyday life. Um, so why not do whatever they can to affect the political process? If someone's interested in finding out more about your research? So I head the Are You Voting program here at the Eagleton, events, Eagleton Institute of Politics. If you're interested in learning more about the work we do or the research that we've done, I'd encourage you to go to the Eagleton website, which is www.eagleton.rutgers.edu. Um, we've got lots of great public events coming up this semester, too. And, yeah, feel free to get in touch with us, and I'm happy to work with students, talk to students as much as possible. Elizabeth Maddow is a political scientist and assistant research professor at the Eagleton Institute of Politics at Rutgers. She also heads up Are You Voting? John Weingart is associate director of the Eagleton Institute. He spoke to us about how we're all affected by Congress, why every voice is necessary, whether our politicians are really as insincere as people often think, and about what we're actually voting for in this election. 
I'm John Weingart. I'm the Associate Director of the Eagleton Institute of Politics at Rutgers University in New Brunswick. Okay, so we're getting ready for what is called a midterm election. So what does midterm election mean? Well, it refers to the presidential term. So uh, the four-year presidential term, every four years we elect a president or re-elect a president, and every two years we elect, we have congressional elections. So it's in the middle of the president's term that we elect uh, the entire House of Representatives. They all serve two-year terms, so they're up every two years, and one-third of the Senate. Since the senators all serve six-year terms, one-third of them are up every two years. Here in central New Jersey, in Middlesex County, who are we voting for this time? Well, in New Jersey, we neither of our senators are up for election this year. We um, best um, re-elected Senator Lautenberg in 2008, and Senator Menendez will be on the ballot in 2012. So we do not have a, a, a statewide race. We do have races for the House of Representatives. And central New Jersey, there are basically three, three districts that uh, comprise central New Jersey, um, they are occupied currently by Frank Pallone is in one, and Leonard Lance is in a second, and Rush Holt is in a third. And all three of them are facing opponents from the other party. Leonard Lance is a Republican, and Pallone and Holt are Democrats. And in terms of county government, what are we voting for? Uh, there are freeholders on the ballot, uh, the county uh, elected countywide. I'm not sure how many are on the ballot for Middlesex County. Can you tell us what freeholders actually do? Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's an odd term that's only used in New Jersey, but they, they are charged with – county governments have certain responsibilities in terms of uh, public welfare, uh, drainage, uh, uh, and, and other areas. And the freeholders – and they raise a fair amount of money that they spend for the public benefit. And the freeholders um, are the ones who set the policy and direction and, and, uh, for those expenditures. In these elections, people tend to get pretty excited about a presidential election. People really have started going after college students and younger voters during presidential elections. And there were a fair number of students who voted for the first time in the 2008 election. But this time, there's, there hasn't been as much motivation aimed at younger voters. No one's really been trying to get out the vote for younger voters in this election, and younger voters do seem less excited about it. Is it actually important for people to vote in non-presidential elections? It's very important. Uh, the presidential elections are more glamorous. Um, there is much more intense focus on them. It, it's easier to focus on two or three personalities of the, the people running for president than it is to focus on a whole lot of members of Congress. Uh, but a president, um, the president is a powerful position, but the Congress is is at least equally as powerful. And who, who it is who is in the House of Representatives and in the U.S. Senate makes a huge difference in terms of what policies are going to be set and how much money is going to be raised and how it's going to be spent and what the priorities are going to be. So it is. It, it's really important. To, it, it's very important. The outcome of the election is very important. It's very important to vote. Um, if you are, are looking for a reason to vote in a congressional race, and you already voted in a presidential race, well, well, your vote counts more in the congressional race, as it happens, because the turnout is significantly lower. The turnout, not just among young people, but among all age groups, is higher in a presidential year than in any other. So. You know, one vote rarely makes a difference, but as as a as a, a citizen and, a, and a, a caring member of your community and of the country, it's important to vote, and your vote 
makes a little more difference in, in uh, an off-year election, in the midterm election, than it does in a presidential election. It's also true that a lot of races this year are expected to be close. Um, the contests, uh, Congressman Holt uh, running Scott Saprell, the Republican challenging Congressman Holt, has a, a significant amount of money, and um, uh, Republicans think that's a seat they might be able to pick up. The same thing is true for uh, Congressman Blown's district. Anna Little, who, who won an upset victory in the primary, um, is running a very energetic campaign, and Republicans hope they can defeat uh, Congressman Pallone, and to a lesser extent, Democrats hope they can defeat Congressman Lance, who's only been in office one term, and Ed Posniak, who's Democratic nominee. So some of those races um, are, are may well be very close, and and uh, the difference is going to be made up of, of you know, who goes out to vote, who decides it's worthwhile to spend ten minutes or an hour or whatever it takes to go some to go to the polling place and and, and vote. So what kind of difference is it likely to make for a college student as to which, say, which congressman is in office or which party is in power? Well, I'll take one specific example. The health care bill that got passed by the last Congress includes a provision that allow, that enables um, young people to uh, continue to be insured under their parents' health insurance policy until they're 30 years old. That didn't wasn't part of the law. That wasn't the law until the health care bill was passed last year. Um, many of the Republicans running for Congress have said they want to overturn the health care law. And so if the Republicans gain control of Congress and, gain, and, and have a, a, a significant majority, they may well try to overturn the law. And that provision that specifically benefits young people, including college students, um, could be up for grabs and could, could go away. Um, more, more generally, though, I, I think there, there aren't that many issues that specifically affect one age group as opposed to another age group. It, it's, it, it's more about um, voting is more about recognizing that we're all part of a community and that there's some interdependence of all of us and that, well, we all want to live our lives and do what we do with our lives. Um, we, our lives are influenced by how safe the roads are, how, uh, how safe the whole community is, uh, how educated people are, uh, the extent to which we can be confident that when we go to a restaurant, the food's going to be safe, that we, when we um, go on an amusement park, that the rides are going to be safe. Um, it, it, a community is a complicated organism, and, and one of the things that keeps it vibrant is people participating in its management and not, and not just leaving it to other people. So voting is a, a small investment in doing that and making your best judgment as an individual who you think would be, do the best job of uh, doing the government's work for the next two years or however long the term may be. Let's say students or other members of our community elect not to vote in this election. Who does that leave the decision up to? Well, you know, it leads it up to the people who vote. Um, you know, often, you know, you vote and the person you vote for doesn't win. Um, it seems to, it still, I think, is a good investment of time to, to let your voice be heard and to... Um, to, to speak up, in effect, to, to speak your truth as a voter, and um, you know, the majority wins. But um, a lot of elections, as I say, are decided fairly on fairly narrow, fairly narrowly, where one candidate wins by a relatively small percent. The media tends to interpret, to overinterpret those results. So, 
there are any number of elections across the country right now, um, less than a week before the election, where nobody knows who's going to win. Some candidates probably going to win by one or two percent. And if all those vote races go to the same party, the media is going to say it was a sweep. The, re- the party has clearly turned in the direction of the Republicans or has turned less in the direction of the Republicans than people had thought. And and how that outcome is framed, how that, how that ac- outcome takes place and how it is framed um, is in large part dependent on who, who gets out to vote. Uh, traditionally, uh, senior citizens are considered the most um, vote in the highest numbers of the population. Um, And uh, there are reasons for that, that they tend to have time, they have the experience, uh, but they are courted by politicians of both parties because they vote in great numbers. So when you hear both Democrats and Republicans tripping over each other to say, we're not going to touch Social Security, we're going to protect Medicare, um, we're going to respect our seniors and all those things they say, Part of that is because they believe that's the right thing to do, and part of that is because they know that a large percentage of the electorate, larger than the population, that, that, you know, there are a lot of senior citizens in the population, but a larger percentage of the electorate is those senior citizens, and so politicians pay a little more attention to what those people say than to what younger people say, Um, uh, and part of that is because younger people tend not to turn out to vote in large numbers. 2008 and to some extent 2006 was an exception, and it depends on everybody, and younger people, to determine whether that was an exception or the start of a trend in another direction. So is it reasonable to believe that if younger people and college students did start voting in large numbers, politicians would spend more time focusing on issues that were important to our age group? Yes, I think that's reasonable to believe. But I also think that there aren't, um, and again, there aren't that many issues. There are a lot of issues that are important to young people, but a lot of them are important to, to people of all ages. Um, there are a few issues where younger peop- the views of younger people are different than older people. So um, uh, gay rights is an issue where the, the younger people tend to be much more open to gay marriage and, and, and consider that much less of a, a big deal than do older people. And as more young people vote, that I think that's, that's part of what's helping change public policy on that issue. Um, but you know, young people have an interest in uh, how it affects young people, how much the government spends on what kind of programs what the government's foreign policy is, whether we're, how many wars we're fighting at one, one time, uh, whether we're providing health care, what the policies are about student loans, whether if there's a provision that was passed in the, in the, the, the last year or two, last year, that um, uh, says if you have a student loan and you go to work in some kind of public service, government or a nonprofit, I think it's nonprofit, but at least government, um, you have much more time to rebay, repay your loan than if you don't. Well, that that's a policy that was made by people in government, and it can be undone by people in government, and it depends on um, on who wins the election again. So, I think, um, you know, I mean. Younger people have different cultural interests, and you know, like different musicians than older older people, and like different clothes, and, and all of that. But but on on public policy issues, uh, we're all in this together. 
I'd like to talk about whether there's a connection between the quality of our representatives and political participation. People like to say that our politicians are a bunch of crooks, or they say that they're lazy or selfish, or they're, you know, they're just out for themselves. And yet at the same time, a lot of people don't bother to even do so much as vote, which generally involves maybe at most once a year driving over to the closest elementary school to your house, much less, say, writing a letter or even calling or sending an email saying, like expressing their opinion about anything the representatives are doing. So at this point, are our representatives actually, you know, representing us accurately? Would would increased participation change our representatives and change people's perception of them? Uh, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I think I think the premise is wrong. I think most people who are in public office, who run for office and who are elected, um, work incredibly hard, and uh, they spend tremendous number of hours at it. And they are, well, there are certainly a few who are dishonest. They are overwhelmingly honest, um, if for no other reason, because they know if they get caught, it ruins their career. But I think they they go into it because being being an elected office can feel sort of glamorous from the outside election day, but if you uh, spend time with anyone after they win, um, it's a lot of work. It's going out many nights of the week to speak to different groups of scouts or rotary clubs. It's being very visible in your in your district. It's knowing that any time you go out to dinner, people may interrupt you to say to ask you about some problem, um, and it's being sort of open to that all the time, as well as dealing with a lot of very complicated issues where you have to read a tremendous amount of material and meet with lots of people. So it's it's a hard job. And and plus you have to worry about the next election and raising money and positioning yourself so that you're likely to, to win another term. Um, and I think most people who go into it do it because they believe in public service and they have a set of beliefs that they think society would be better off if it moved in the direction of their beliefs. Um, I don't think that changes particularly whether or not young people vote or whether or not the percentage of people who vote. But I think if you vote and you put in a little bit of time, it doesn't have to be that much time, you can become less alienated from the system. And be, feeling alienated from the system can feel like a, a sort of holier-than-thou uh, uh, way to be and, and say, well, I'm not tainted. I'm not like those corrupt politicians. But there's something that I think eats at your soul to do that. I think to be more to say, well, you know, we're part of a community and whether the community is our district, our state, or the globe. And, um, and these are people, you know, society is a complicated business. There are all sorts of complicated issues about all of us living in one district or state or jurisdiction or whatever. And um, these are people who are, are putting themselves forward to say they think they know the best way to deal with some of these issues that are coming up. And, uh, and for us to take the time to listen to them and make our judgment about which ones we think are going to do the job better, I think is uh, you know, a small, a small par- price we pay for, for being part of a society. If most of our representatives are hardworking and generally honest, how did we end up with this impression that people, really people of any age, have that that their politicians are insincere? Well, because I think um, we all want a politician to agree with us. 
And uh, I, I think, you know, you see it in your normal life. I mean, I know that if I talk to friends or relatives, um, they may say something I disagree with, and it's not important to me either at the moment or ever. And so you don't argue with everything they say. Um, and I think politicians do, or if you you have a job and you you know you approach somebody and you're trying to sell them something or whatever, and they and they uh, have views that you disagree with, you may not go there. I think politicians tend to to um, talk about the issues they think the people they're talking to want to hear about, um, and they and they try to listen. So most of these issues are that government deals with are very complicated, and it's not so easy to just say yes or no or just say, you know, we're going to, you know, this is what the tax policy should be or this is the date we're going to get out of Afghanistan. Um, So to talk about, but, but I think we in the public want questions to be simpler because we're all busy. We don't have that much time to devote to politics and for the most most of us and um we don't want to read you know hundreds of pages or even tens of pages about the the pros and cons of different policy we want someone to say yes we should do this no we shouldn't do that and most of the issues don't lend themselves to that so i think politicians who are honest um have to honest with the public have to say well, it's complicated, you know. So I can't say in in a soundbite or in a thirty second ad exactly what I'm going to do about any given issue. Um, and if I'm listening to a constituent and the constituent's pointing, voicing their point of view as a as elected official, you may listen to that and you may say I don't agree with that, or you might say, well, you know, say to yourself at least, well, I'm going to think about that. I'm not. You know. So uh, I think we all think most of us think. That are we're so convinced that we're right about most issues, or and and we tend to associate with people who agree with us, so we think the issues are simpler than they are, and we think the areas of disagreement are less than they are, and and the reality is that on most issues, um, no matter how sure you are you're right about a given issue, there are a large number of people who are equally sure they're right and have a completely different point of view, and the politician has to find a way to to listen to both those people and. Uh, and communicate with them and ultimately make a decision. What issues are most important to people in central New Jersey or and like which ones are going to affect us the most in the coming few years? Um, I think the biggest issue facing central New Jersey is the same one facing the country is the, the economy and uh, and the need to get people get more create more jobs, get more people. To dramatically reduce the unemployment rate, uh, to get the economy moving uh, much more rapidly than it is now. I think that's the major issue. Uh, there's some debate about how much Congress and the president actually control that, but to some extent they certainly do. And um, uh, so how they, how the next Congress and the president work together on on tax levels and and spending um, are going to have an impact on on that. I think that that's a major area. Um, another area is um, 
the positions the courts take on uh, on on a whole host of issues and who is appointed to the judiciary. The, this is less true in New Jersey's election because we're not electing a senator, but you know, the president nominates judges not just to the Supreme Court but to other levels as well, and the U.S. Senate has to confirm that. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you know, there are going to be a lot of foreign policy questions, a lot of issues about immigration that are going to arise in terms of what should be the rights of, of uh, uh, undocumented uh, people from other countries now living in this, in this country. And, and if you're a, a child of, of uh, people who are undocumented, should you be entitled to tuition in, in uh, you know, in-state tuition in a university or not? And is that something federal law should deal with or state law should deal with? Um, so that there are any number of issues that that Congress could address in the next two years that uh, could have an impact on people in um, in this part of the state. And is there anything else that you'd want to say about the election or about whether it's about participating? Yeah, we're in a period of time where um, political trends are are. Uh, Moving very rapidly, and the sort of the, the character or the soul of the country is somewhat up for grabs. Um, it was only 2004, so six years ago, when President Bush was reelected and the Republicans retained control of both houses of the Congress, that uh, people thought the Republican Party was in a long-term period of of, uh, of success, and the Democratic Party was, you know, in big trouble and. Um, and then only two years ago, the Democrats scored a huge win, and, and people thought exactly the opposite, that, that the Democratic Democrats were going to move forward with an agenda very different from the Republicans. And here we are two years later, where it's flipped again, and, and, and it looks uh, likely that Republicans are going to win significant majorities uh, in the election. And all of these changes are occurring because voters are looking at what's happening and coming to their conclusions. So... Uh, you know, the future is not preordained. It's up to, it depends, you know, there's certainly factors outside of human control, but but it it depends on how, how, vote, how people vote in terms of what's going to happen. One issue I left out before in terms of interest both to young people and, and New Jersey is climate change. Um, there are um, a significant number of uh, Republican candidates across the country who believe that climate change is either unproven that it's happening or or really a hoax. Almost all Democrats uh, believe it's it's a real thing that that needs to be dealt with. Um, so depending on your beliefs on that, that may influence. I mean, how you think about the election. If Republicans win control of the House of Representatives, there will probably be much probably be no effort on the part of the House of Representatives to push. Uh, uh, substantial, put substantial money into doing anything to about climate change. Um, if Democrats win control, retain control of the House of Representatives, there might be more effort to to confront climate change. So, if you think climate change is you know is unproven or a hoax, you know that would determine one way you might determine one way you vote, and if you feel otherwise, it might determine the other way you vote. John Weingart is the Associate Director of the Eagleton Institute of Politics at Rutgers. Later this week on Core of the Matter, you'll be able to hear all three candidates running for Congress in the 12th District. You can use the things that Elizabeth Maddow and John Weingart talked about today to inform your opinion. When you hear those three candidates talk about their views on the issues, 
and their plans if they're elected into office. You've been listening to a special election edition of Core of the Matter. If you'd like to find out more about voting or about candidates running for office in New Jersey, you can check out areyouvoting.rutgers.edu or njvoterinfo.org. Be sure to listen to Core of the Matter on Tuesday, November 2nd at 7 p.m. That's election night to hear early returns and some discussion of issues people are thinking about at the polls. Opinions expressed on Core of the Matter are those of the speakers only and not necessarily those of WVPHFM or Rutgers University. You've been listening to Core of the Matter on 90.3 The Core, streaming and podcasting at thecore.fm.